0: But go ahead and turn, please, to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be looking today at verses 13 through 24. As you're turning there, I just want to ask you to just think through um, what are things that make you rejoice? What are the things in your life that make you truly rejoice? I mean, there's many things that may come to mind uh, throughout your life. There are certainly things that have just been uh, a, a rejoicing uh, in your heart, whether it's the birth of children or a graduation or marriage or whatever it is, there are things that cause us to rejoice. Rejoice over many things. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, rejoice always. Rejoice always. And today, as we look through the text, we're going to look at Uh, what's not only the inspiration for consistent and genuine joy and rejoicing, but the provision for rejoicing as well. And so Luke 10, verses 13 through 24, if you would stand as I read. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you. Just as we've praised you and rejoiced in song, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for your word. What a gift it is, Lord. Guide us by your word and in your word this morning. Plant it deeply into our hearts and help us, Lord. Help us to respond to it in a way that glorifies you. In Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, the main theme for this text and this message is verse 20. Rejoice that your names Are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And three things that I want to uh, point out, three points that uh, I want to give to you, three truths that motivate rejoicing in the believer. Three truths from this text that motivate rejoicing in the believer. The first is this: Rejoice, for God has set His word in you, or God has planted His word in you. Secondly, rejoice because God has set his love on you. And third, rejoice, the Lord rejoices with you. So first, rejoice for God has planted his word in you. Verse 16, the one who hears you hears me and the one who rejects you rejects me and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me, the father in heaven who sent me. And then jump down to verse 23. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Happy, blessed are those who see what you see. You think through verses 13 through 15, Jesus makes some incredible statements. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. In fact, let's go back to verse 12. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. Long ago, in sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. Three cities known for great wickedness were Sodom, Tyre, and Sidon. And so for someone to claim, someone to make a statement saying that it would be more bearable or to put it conversely, it will be harsher judgment. It will be worse for an Israelite in the judgment than it will be for Sodom or for Tyre or for Sidon would be unthinkable for an Israelite to hear something that they could not even process and yet that is exactly what Jesus claims it will be more bearable and that's not lessening the sins of Sodom or the sins of Tyre or the sins of Sidon the sin of Sodom was certainly great Genesis 18:20 the Lord said the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave So he's not lessening the sin of Sodom. He's not lessening the sin of Tyre or Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were two port cities known for their depravity. Isaiah 23, Ezekiel 28 prophesied the judgment and destruction of those cities. And yet, Jesus says that because the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum received the blessing of him coming, his word about him being proclaimed to them, They would be judged more harshly because they rejected him. It will be more bearable on the judgment day for those wicked cities than for those cities who heard the word concerning Jesus and rejected him. He says, in fact, that if the works done in Chorazin and in Bethsaida had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented, they would have turned. Now, I'm not going to pretend to tell you that I understand what it looks like for it to be more bearable in judgment, in unimaginable suffering, for it to be more bearable unimaginable suffering than less bearable unimaginable suffering. I have no idea what that looks like. I don't even want to pretend to tell you what that looks like or how that's figured out. What different degrees of unimaginable suffering looks like, I don't know. But what is very clear here is this truth. You're going to be judged according to what you know. According to what you've been given. People are held accountable for what they've been given. Now that's not at all to say that we're saved by what we know. Knowing... Hearing the gospel should lead to humbly throwing ourselves on Christ, denying ourselves, not trusting in self or works or knowledge, but in Christ for salvation, trusting in Christ who saves, not in ourself. And yet we're told we will be held accountable for what we know and what we've received Jesus is saying here, the severest punishment belongs to those who had the most knowledge of the truth. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 29 says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? Now, what does this have to do with our first point? We think about our theme, rejoice for your names are written in heaven. And then point one, Rejoice, for God has planted His word in you. It has everything to do with it. The only reason that you or I will not be judged the way that those mentioned in verses 12 through 15 will be judged is because when we heard, we received. When we heard, we believed. And that receiving is all God's doing. It's not anything I'm worthy of. It's not anything that I have managed to figure out on my own. It's grace. It's the grace of God granted to you, granted to me. He planted his word in you. Verse 23, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. You've been blessed to believe. You heard the message and you didn't reject Jesus, therefore you didn't reject the Father as he says in verse 16. Why? Why is that? Why did you believe? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, in their case, those who are perishing, those who have not believed, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. But then he says two verses later about those who have life in Christ. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's been granted to you. Ephesians chapter 2 Beginning with verse 1, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were dead. We were dead. Well, how does a dead person get life? It's given to them. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved it's been given to us it's been granted to us The only reason that you and I will not be judged the way that those mentioned in 12 through 15 will be judged is because when we heard, we received, and that receiving is all God's doing. God planted his word there, granted his word to us. Secondly, rejoice, for God has set his love on you. God set his love on you. Rejoice, your names are written in heaven, Jesus says. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice for God set his love on you. Rejoice in that. You and I were as deserving of wrath as any person who has ever lived dead in our trespasses and sins and yet he forgave. He forgave What would motivate rejoicing more than that? Your name is written in heaven. You're forgiven. I love this section of the text, verses 17 and following. These 72 come back and they're just so filled with joy. Can you imagine? I mean, the Lord has given them this authority to go out and they're coming back and they're just giddy. Rightly so, right? They're just giddy. Lord, even demons obey. We speak and they've done what we told them to do. This is what they've seen in their Lord and in their Savior as he has walked on this earth. It is that they've followed him and now they go out and they're just giddy as they come back. They're joyful as they come back. Lord, even the demons obey and are subject to us in your name. The Lord responds, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The language here suggests an ongoing continual process. I was watching is how it could be read. I was watching Satan fall like lightning. It seems as if Jesus is giving a picture here. Jesus rejoicing as he's observed Satan's kingdom being destroyed one rescued soul at a time through the ministry of these 72, and then ongoing from there. But what does he tell them? What does he say to them? Don't rejoice over that. Rejoice over what is truly worthy of rejoicing over. Now, don't, we don't want to read that and think, okay, well, I'm not supposed to rejoice over anything else. Like, I'm just this, you know, religious, you know, I don't know what word to use, just like this boring like, guy and you go and tell him whatever news and I'm like, meh, my name is written in heaven, like that's nothing, my name is written in heaven. It's not, it's not we use that as a weapon, he's not saying that at all, it's, it's the idea of Psalm 43 verse 4, I go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding Joy. The joy of all of my joys. I still rejoice in my children. I still rejoice in my wife. But God, you're the joy that makes those joys joyful. If, I, if my name were not written in heaven, th- this would not be joyful at all. I would have no hope in this world. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven, he says. You know, I was watching this week uh, a video, just a short little like documentary thing on DNA evidence. And, and how it's affected the justice system. And they're going back over these cases where people were imprisoned and, and, and looking at the evidence of, of what was used to uh, put them in prison. And what they're finding is, according to this report, that of all of these cases they've researched and are going back through and retesting with DNA evidence. According to this report, it was like 11% of those that they have gone back through and used DNA evidence on have been found to be innocent. Now, some of these people in this uh, report were, have already served their term. And this one guy that's highlighted through this thing is like already served his term, was, was uh, put in prison for rape, and then DNA evidence proves he had nothing to do with it. He was just out for a jog. Someone was raped in the neighborhood where he was jogging, and he was the guy that people saw out and about, and so they grabbed him and and serves this whole term. Another person, it shows in the courtroom as it's announced in the courtroom that he's actually innocent. And here's what's fascinating about watching this uh, documentary. The response of the people. Even the guy who had served his entire term, when he was exonerated, when his name was cleared, when he was found to be truly innocent, the joy and the relief This one who's already served part of his term, he's standing in the courtroom and they announce he's not guilty, he's innocent. And the joy and relief that comes over them at that moment. Now here's the thing, they were always innocent. They hadn't done anything wrong. They weren't guilty. They were innocent all along. And finding out that their name was clear, there's rejoicing, how much more so for us We are guilty. We are transgressors. We deserve to be punished. We deserve to be put away. We deserve to be judged justly by God. And yet, if we are in Christ, we have been found in the courtroom of God's justice innocent. Declared innocent Only because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ who bore God's judgment in our place. Rejoice, Jesus says. Rejoice. How much more should we rejoice? We're forgiven. We're no longer condemned. You think of Paul's words at the beginning of Ephesians. Beginning with verse three. Blessed rejoice. Your names are written in heaven. Rejoice. God, the just God has set his love on you. Rejoice in that. Third, the Lord rejoices with you. Rejoice for the Lord rejoices with you. Beginning with verse 21, in that same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Rejoice even as the Lord rejoices with you. Our Savior rejoices that our names are written in heaven. Rejoices over God's sovereign work of salvation. Leon Morris writes that rejoiced is far too colorless a translation. It means a positive exaltation, thrilled with joy. Jesus is thrilled with joy in response to God's sovereign work in our lives. It's a prayer of thanksgiving and praise. He rejoices at God's sovereign work of salvation. You look at the beginning there of uh, verse 21. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Rejoice in these things. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice, even as your Savior Jesus rejoices with you. He says there, such was your gracious will. For such was your gracious will, Father. Jesus is praying this, knowing what's coming, right? This is in the context of he set his face to go to Jerusalem. This one, this Lord, this Savior who set his face to go to Jerusalem knowing that he would die, that he would suffer at the hands of men, that he would be killed, but that he would be raised again. He sets his face to Jerusalem. This Savior prays, for such was your gracious will. All of the opposition that came to Christ and has come to his followers, all of the rejection that Jesus and his disciples have faced, none of it has come as a surprise God's mission was not a failure. It's all his gracious will. Jesus says all things, all things have been handed over to me. He reigns, just as we sang earlier. He reigns. He reigns. And this one who reigns over all still rejoices with you. Rejoice, your names are written in heaven. He goes on and there, going back to point two again. No one knows who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus says in John fifteen, sixteen, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. John 6 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Think of those words. No, you can't come to me, he says. You couldn't have come to me unless the Father did that, unless the Father drew you. We as people who have come should have one response that characterizes our entire life, rejoicing. It's all because of you. You set your love on me, Lord, and you rejoice with me. Therefore, I rejoice because my name is written in heaven. And we who follow him should be characterized by such rejoicing. The Rejoicing that our savior rejoices with. We ought to be rejoicing in that same way. Our life characterized by it. As we meditate on and think on the truths that we are in Christ. That we are saved. We're set free. That Romans 8.1 is true of me. There is no condemnation for me. Because I'm in Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning as we close this part of the service. If you know him, if you know Jesus, if you're in a relationship with the Father through Jesus, then ponder the truths of the gospel. Ponder the truths of who you are in Christ. Your name is written in heaven, your name. All the times in your life that you've lived and you've felt forgotten, Your name is written in heaven. God put His word, planted His word in your heart. God set his love on you. Jesus rejoices with you. Ponder those truths and rejoice. Rejoice that your names are written there. Rejoice that you are forgiven. Rejoice that you've been blessed to see what others haven't seen. Rejoice in that. But if this is not you, I want to plead with you today, if you don't know Christ, if you don't know this rejoicing that that Jesus speaks of in the text here, I want to plead with you, repent of your sin, sin that demands that God judge you. Repent and believe in Christ. Verse 16 says this, the one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you, his messengers and his message, rejects me, Jesus says. And the one who rejects me, Jesus, rejects him who sent me, the Father, God in heaven. There are many cults and there are many sects and there are even nominal individuals who call themselves Christians who accept some version of Jesus. He was a good person. He was a prophet. He was whatever. But it's the person Jesus as revealed in the word of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. Believe in him. If you reject him, he says, you reject God. You reject the father. You can't have one without the other. And so Acts 3, 19 through 20 says this, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You'll be forgiven, you'll have eternal life and this rejoicing that Jesus speaks of will be yours. You'll know what true joy really is. First Peter 1, 8 and 9, Peter writes, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You'll know that joy And so if that's you, as we sing in just a moment, I would plead with you, call on the name of the Lord. If you're here with someone else, then turn to that person, even while we're singing, and just talk to them about this salvation and about knowing God and and tell them that you wanna surrender your life to Jesus and repent of your sins. And then please come and tell me, I would love to rejoice with you. I know others would love to rejoice with you in that. Again, for those of you who do believe, those who are in Christ, who believe the gospel, a reflection of our rejoicing is our desire to continue in fellowship with him. We don't just have a decision that we made. We desire to continue in fellowship with Jesus. And that is what we receive in the Lord's Supper, grace and fellowship. In fact, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 16, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? That word participation is fellowship. Acts 2, where they devoted themselves to fellowship, that's the same word for participation. And so as the elements are handed out, the bread and the cup Let's ponder the truths of our salvation, his body broken and his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be in him. His word planted in our heart and his love set on us and Jesus rejoicing with us. Ponder those truths. Our names are written in heaven. Let's together take the bread and the cup in joy, rejoicing, Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace, Lord. You've been so good to us, Lord. And just as Paul writes in Ephesians 1, you have lavished your grace upon us. You didn't hold back your grace from us. You lavished it on us, Lord. Our response, Lord, our response, we want to be rejoicing. We want to be characterized by rejoicing that our names are written in heaven because of you, Jesus, because your body was broken and your blood was shed, because of this fellowship that we have with you, even as we remember the body and blood taking the bread and the cup, Lord, it's all because of you. Our joy is all because of you. And so help us, help us to ponder the truths of the gospel even as we hold the bread and hold the cup. And for those who are here and don't know you, Lord, awaken them, shine in their hearts, Lord, that they would see and they would believe and they would know what it is to be forgiven, that they would know what it is to have their names written in heaven. We pray that you would be glorified in Christ's name, amen.